0: Fighting crime and protecting New York City is a dangerous full-time job, and Peter Parker, two years after his battle with the Mega Criminal Lizard, finds himself bound by his promise to Gwen Stacy's late father. In the meantime, Peter's old friend Harry Osborn inherits Oscorp Industries and a deadly retrovirus from his father. Also, a tragic accident gives birth to a new supervillain, Electro the Human Power Plant. Now, with the emergence of the unstoppable Green Goblin and Electro, the stage seems set for the ultimate confrontation, a fight that could forever alter the course of Spider-Man's life. Can Spider-Man avert the rise of Electro, defeat Green Goblin, and get the girl? Ciao my people, and welcome to our 71st episode of Happiness and Darkness, the superhero movie podcast, where we discuss superhero movies from Marvel, DC, Dark Horse, Image, and more. If it came from a comic and had theatrical release, you know we'll discuss it. Naturally, there will be spoilers, folks, so you have been warned. I'm one of your co-hosts, DJ Nick, and today we'll be discussing The Amazing Spider-Man 2. And with me today to discuss this polarizing sequel, I should say, are on one hand, Mr. Jamie Burns. Hey, Jamie, how you doing?
1: Hello. Thanks for inviting me on to uh, for this show of Amazing Spider-Man 2. Um, I got to rewatch it and uh, I'm ready to go. (laughs)
0: Hello, <laughs> no, we're looking forward to your thoughts for sure, Jamie. And, and on the other, of course, a huge, huge Spider-Man fan in his own right, Mr. Phil Perich. Hey, Phil, how are you?
2: I'm great, Nick. Thanks for inviting me. It's your friendly neighborhood podcaster here, ready to talk this movie
0: out all the way. Uh, and I think it's going to be quite the discussion for sure, gentlemen. So today we are discussing The Amazing Spider-Man 2 from 2014, directed by Mark Webb, who our listeners might know for 500 Days of Summer gifted, and the only living boy in New York. The story was by Alex Kurtzman, Robert Orachi, Jeff Pickner, and James Vanderbilt. The score was by the mighty Hans Zimmer and the Magnificent Six. And an estimate, to put it into today's money, this movie cost $322 million to make and made 7, $780 million at the box office. So let's get to first impressions here, guys. Let's start with you here, Jamie. You know, on your rewatch... What were your thoughts on Amazing Spider-Man 2, initial, or initial thoughts anyway?
1: Well, um, when you said, uh, you know, oh, do you want to, like, review? And I was like, oh, man, do I have to? <laughs> right, and then I thought, no, I'll, I'll give it a go. It's been a long time since I watched it. And I could have sworn that I, I had it on Blu-ray. But um, I ended up looking, and I've bought the Amazing Spider-Man twice not well spider-man 2 so, <laughs> I, so i had to do a quick looking around and I, and I got it and uh and i watched it and um yeah i was quite entertained with it actually um there's some bits and bobs that i was thinking eh like didn't get and i think it's more uh, in uh what phil and, and yourself can uh, probably explain uh with the comic books uh references maybe but um yeah, yeah it wasn't that much it wasn't a bad movie i i, I you know Perhaps it needs that second, like, uh, re-release, maybe, maybe after Wonder Woman, of course. Uh, perhaps uh, this could have, <laughs> have new life. Um, and especially with, um, you know, there's that rumour rumor casting of having Jamie Foxx back in as Electro. He wasn't quite, he wasn't that bad in it. It wasn't Ooh. that bad in it. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I think we'll, yeah, and we'll
0: definitely have quite a bit to talk about when mm-hmm. it comes to Jamie Foxx and Electro and and Phil. When it comes to you, you know, what were your memories of this film? And you know, were you were you happier with this film rewatching it?
2: Um, yeah, I mean,
0: even from the first rewatch, even from the first
2: time I watched it to now, I mean, I've always had like stuff I liked about this movie and other stuff I didn't like. I mean, in fact, there's like one thing we'll get into later that it's. I, w- I didn't think added much to the movie, but this time I'm like, okay, I see the potential there, but I think I see where they went wrong with a few things.
0: Mm, no, I, I hear you. And you know, starting off here, you know, I actually have a conflicted relationship with this film, as there are days in which I really enjoy it, and there are days where I find it incredibly flawed. But uh-huh. you know, I must admit that after some time away from it and getting to rewatch it for this review, this was definitely one of those instances where I was like, why do people hate this movie so much? As I found myself very much invested and loving what I saw on screen, which may also be colored by my undying love for Hans Zimmer, who is actually one of my favorite Hollywood composers. And I, I did not have as many problems with the movie per se as I had in the past. And fun story, the tagline for this film, at least internationally, was actually The Rise of Electro. And the working title was London Calling, which I think is actually kind of a fun, ta- fun name for it. <laughs> Well, obviously, they didn't want anybody to know what they were making. They were calling it London Calling. So I think that was, that's a, that was a clever, clever name for it. So let's get to our players on the board here, guys, starting with, of course, our titular character, Mr. Andrew Garfield, reprising his role as Peter Parker Spider-Man from the first one. And, of course, so our listeners will know him from Hacksaw Ridge, Silence, and also the social network. So, Phil, when it comes to you, what would your thoughts on, um, on Peter Parker Spider-Man in this film?
2: I liked Andrew Garfield in the, in the, you know, the previous movie in this one. I know a lot of people said, uh, you know, he wasn't nerdy enough to play Peter Parker, but I think he had, he played it with just the right edge of awkwardness to be a convincing Peter Parker. And again, he wasn't a teenager either. Just like Tobey Maguire wasn't, but I bought him as a teenager more than I bought Tobey Maguire.
0: Mm. And, and Jamie, what about you? What are your, were your thoughts on the Spider-Man in this one?
1: Um, (sighs) Well, Andrew Garfield being a Brit, because <laughs> it seems to be uh, Brits that can play superheroes <laughs> nowadays. Um, I went, when I first watched the Amazing Spider-Man. I, I, you know, I didn't like it as much because Tobey Maguire was my my Spider-Man, and um, when, of course, Andrew took over, you know, it was it's getting used to that wisecracking jokes, malarkey that he was going through, but in this film um it it, he was better because it it, because he's not a teenager is it? he's going to college so he's more of an adult Mm -hmm. um but um when he was in the suit sometimes i I was thinking god he's really really skinny (laughs) i mean (laughs) really skinny to be spider-man you know um i don't know but he he played the role really well um and you know as we probably talk a bit further on you know uh, towards the end Mm. Um, there's one thing you can say about Andrew Golfo, he knows how to play tragic you know what I mean oh, yes. yeah. he, he really can play tragic and I do like how this film progressed if you know what I mean I I, I I, could totally buy into his choice for not to be Spider-Man at one point if you know what I mean, compared to Toby's you No, know, when yeah. Toby and Spider-Man decided not to be Spider-Man, it was like eh, yeah, you know, don't really, but Andrew yeah, yeah, I totally get it <laughs>
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, I will agree with you on that because I know a lot of people had problems with Toby doing the whole kind of Uncle Ben kind mm. of thing. And everything also, it was like he seemed a bit wimpy, if you will. And maybe Andrew doesn't come across as in inverted commas wimpy. If you will, He seems like kind of more, you know, it's more tragic, like you said. Mm. And also, you know, taking into account Tom Holland had not yet donned the red and blue tights yet and coming off of Toby Maguire. I really enjoyed this version of Peter Parker Spider-Man as he's awkward, he's kooky and a major geek as well. And that, I think, is the essence of the Spider-Man character in the comics. Not to mention, I think this version is all about, like you were saying, Jamie, all about mouthing off, you know, be Hmm. it in costume or out of it. And I love that, you know, like the banter between him and Aunt May or with Gwen Stacy or the various villains. And also the web shooters. I was so glad we got the web shooters. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I had a, you know, they play a major part, of course, when it comes to defeating Electro and add that extra tension. Because that was one thing I had problems with when it came to the Tobey Maguire movies, because, like, the guy has infinite webs here. They come to an end at a certain point. Um, Yeah. And the effects,
1: of course, on the webs, actually, I thought were really good. You know, with the the, and and there was those just those little slights, you know, where Andrew would just, you know, do like a little flick. And, of course, they'll. You know, um, when he's like out of costume, it just, you know what I mean? And so a little, it just slightly little bit of Webber come out and do something. Yeah, I thought it was good. I, I mean, just
2: And I mean, like the webbing and like you were saying, the banter. I think they, they got closer to comic book Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield than they did with Tobey McGuire.
0: Oh, yes, I think so, too. And plus... We have also, I think, a very conflicted character as well. As one side, you know, he feels he has to hold to the promise that he'd made to Gwen Stacy's father about no longer seeing Gwen as long as he's Spider-Man. And on the other, you know, he's balancing the superhero job because he's trying to find out more about his own parents and dig up more knowledge on what they were up to. And if that was not enough, He's also torn about helping his childhood friend, Harry Osborne on whether or not to give him his blood and the guilt that plagues him over that decision. Uh And, And I really feel that the contrast and connection between him and Harry is actually the strongest in this film, as both of them were ostensibly abandoned by their dads. They're both trying to discover more about their legacy and the sins of their fathers. Though while, and I think here's the interesting thing about this film is while Peter seems to ascend like the train he finds in Roosevelt Station, Harry descends into madness and evil, you know, as he mm. physically does when he goes down to the Oscorp basement. But by movie's end, you know, we do have that guilt-ridden, morose character who then realizes that he cannot ever give up the mantle of Spider-Man. And I feel he finds strength through that, you know, to numb his mourning. Um, So as we mentioned her, guys, let's get to Peter's love interest, Emma Stone, also reprising her role as Gwen Stacy. Of course, she's been in tons of things from La La Land to Birdman and many, many others. Jamie, when it comes to you, what did you think of
1: Gwen Stacy? Um, I enjoyed her i really enjoyed mm-hmm. her um i thought she was a fully flushed uh, flushed out character knew her own mind um and i think you no know, uh, the animated uh, feature film the into the spider verse mm-hmm. i think they've literally used her as a um as uh the the you know the character to base the cartoon character off because she was very similar in attitude um if you know what i mean uh, but yeah emma stone is going today, said, yeah liked i really did like her and i don't think she was as famous as she is now was she when when she mm. was in spider-man back then but yeah really good she made some really dumb decisions <laughs> in it <laughs> yeah you know i mean i thought considering she is really really smart you know towards the end she made some really oh man and you could tell if this was um the ending with with Gwen is proper like a Final Destination movie. You know what I mean? You know you're going to get it. This is how it's going to play. It doesn't matter how many times you're going to get saved, you, your number's up.
0: <laughs> this is very true. And But, you know, and I was actually wondering compared to, say, other lead, female leads we've had in the Spider Man ca- ca- um, you know, movies, granted it was a different character, but say compared to, like, Kirsten Dunst, Mary Jane Watson, or Zendaya's MJ. Do you prefer what, who is who would you say is your favourite among these three? Would you put Emma Stone at the top of these three? Um,
1: no, I put uh, Kirsty in as uh, my Mary Jane. Is there is there, uh, is there a reason why they didn't go down the route with Mary Jane on on for these films? Does anyone know that? Uh,
0: you know what? I, I maybe she would have appeared in the third one, which we might see. You know, which is going to be obviously the follow up to um, Far From Home. Mm. But, because um, apparently, um we, we we should be seeing also um Andrew Garfield in that. so who knows? but well, um, damn, right? I, go ahead, I go
2: ahead. I, I'm sorry I th- I, be- I thought I heard um somewhere. I forget where I was read this or it might have even been on a podcast. I think mm-hmm. th- there was a third movie planned for that for yeah. Andrew Garfield's trilogy. Yeah. And I think Mary Jane was gonna be in that third one. I think they even had sure. they were gonna shoot scenes for this movie with Mary Jane, but they cut him out on know for time or whatever.
0: Mm. and uh-huh. and actually, and actually uh, speaking of you Phil you know same question there would you you know first up, you know, obviously what were your thoughts on Gwen Stacy and would you would you, who is your favorite should we say leading lady so far of the various you know ones that we've had in the Spider-Man films
2: um, I mean they all had their strengths I, I really like what Emma Stone did with Gwen Stacy I think Gwen Stacy was a more fully formed character in these movies other than the comics I mean because I mean, face it—they killed off Gwen Stacy in the comics well, was at the early '70s, and she mm-hmm. was basically just like a, you know, just like a, I don't know, just you know, the damsel in distress, and it seems like she was crying half the time. he saw her in the comics, and I don't know. I just again, I I think they did a, a much better job with Gwen Stacy in these movies than they actually did in the comics, and um, I don't know if Emma Stone is my favorite, but I mean, she's. She's either i I'd say either first or second. She she did a really good job with these, I thought.
0: Uh so so you're also a fan of uh, you know, you prefer, so we say, Kirsten Dunst to Mary Jane Watson and the Zendaya's MJ?
2: Um I don't know. I'd like to say, I like Zendaya's MJ. Um It's it's I mean I mean looks aside, I think just personality wise, the two MJs are like completely different characters. I mean, I like what they've all done in ways with the, with the characters, but um, yeah, I mean, I, Emma Stone and Zendaya are probably interchangeable for, with me depending on the day first or second.
0: Yeah. Cause I, you know, it's, it's interesting to see, I guess this evolution of these female leads for sure. I mean, I, I agree with you both. I feel this was a perfect fit for the character and actually is an improvement. You know, like you were saying, feel to the comic book counterpart as in the yeah. comics, She is literally, you know, the knockout girl who is dating our nerdy outcast hero. You know, because she's incredibly sweet and kind. But I feel this version is actually a step up from what is regardless a highly beloved character. And and also, in comparison to Kirsten Dunstner, rather than screaming her head off every time a villain appears or being completely (laughs) helpless, she actually has an incredibly active role and is pivotal in defeating Electro. Added to that, you know, I will hand it to Emma Stone for fully embracing this character as apparently she was genuinely sad when it came to her filming her death scene. And she was actually incredibly touched as they put her in the same clothes that the comic book version of the character wears when she dies. Uh-huh. And so I really enjoyed this. And, she you know, she's highly intelligent. She won't be put into a corner even when I feel she herself knows she might not make it. Also, when it came to the storyline of her potentially leaving for England, I cannot blame her for wanting to pursue her career. Though, you know, it would break her heart and Peter's. Though, hey, apparently he was going to move to England to fight Jack the Ripper. So I wanted to see <laughs> Spider-Man versus Jack the Ripper. amazing. But I was, I was so glad that Mark Webb and his writers did not cop out on killing the character and add so much extra potency to it as... I compl- also the thing is, I really bought the chemistry between her and Andrew, and mm. just beautiful stuff. Were you guys sold when it came to the the chemistry between the two and this apparently great love they had for each other? Yeah, um, I mean, I, oh, oh, cool. oh, sorry, Good. I,
2: I I mean, I thought they had great chemistry, and I thought I heard, didn't they date in real life? Oh, I don't know if it was apparently, during this yes. movie yeah. or after. So, <laughs> so I would assume, yes, the chemistry was there. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I, I liked it. I mean, even the death scene, it gets me every time, and. I mean, I, I was like you, I was like, oh, are they going to have the guts to kill her off for this movie? But then when they were both talking the to uh London, I was like, okay, yeah, she's dead. Uh, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, I mean, I think that's a callback too, because I think Gwen Stacy might have spent some time in London in the comics, maybe, but uh, or the, maybe some family over there or something, I think like an encore or something, but yeah, uh, yeah, that whole thing, I thought they pulled it off really well, like I said, that I've, I've I tear up a little bit every time with that death scene.
0: And, and Jamie, what about you? Did you were you happy with the with the with the death scene, with the fact that they killed off the character? And did you like the relationship um, between
1: uh, our two leads? I did. Um, the yeah, on screen chemistry definitely was there between them two, especially when um, Emma is really close up talking to uh, Andrew. You know, and you can see them staring at each of his eyes definitely a lot of chemistry there and um and well with the death scene uh, well i've just recently had a, a death quite close in the family in the last couple of days sorry to so that. that's, that's okay um so we was i was watching it and um yeah it, it hit me you know it did it was a really good scene and like i said andrew really knows how to play you know real sorrowful crying um tragic you know what i mean and it was uh, it, you know, it, it really was a, a tragic ending. And, you, and to think that, um, that she fell and it was Spider-Man's actual, you know, trying to help her that really killed her at the end yep. of the day. Yeah. And, uh, can I ju- uh, just say with that scene that, um, you know, when he, sh- like I said, with the webs, you nobody know shoots out those webs and the webs are really looking like hands to mm. grab her. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. Really did like that scene. I have to say that is one of my favorite, death scenes you could say it's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes yeah yeah very brilliant really good i did enjoy it absolutely yeah
0: oh well it was beautiful it was definitely so well good moving job. yeah oh yes oh uh, the, the the mark webb did a great job also with how this movie was shot for sure i definitely agree so you know let's get to another character that's very near and dear to peter and who have, we've seen three versions of so far and this the third version we discuss on this podcast sally field as may parker So, Phil, starting with you, you know, granted we didn't get so much of her in this, but what did you think of uh, of this version of May Parker? I
2: I really liked her. I mean, I think she. I mean, Sally Field always does a great job, but I think it was a nice. It's a nice medium between the Rosemary Harris and the uh, Marissa Tomei Aunt May. Mm. I think. you know, for those of you who are like, oh, you know, Marissa Tomei is too young, or I mean, Rosemary Harris looked like classic Aunt May from the comics, but I think Sally Field really got into the role. You know, brought like more more
0: emotion than maybe even the other two did. Oh yes, indeed. And, and Jamie, when it comes to you, I know you are a big fan of Rose of the Rosemary Harris yeah, version. Yeah. What
1: did you think of Sally Field? Um, she did a, a fantastic job, and if more than anything, this um, this version of aunt may um i was re- i don't know why but i was really expecting her towards the end of the film to actually say oh by the way you know i you know in that part time you put this mask back on i really honestly <laughs> thought that she would take the mask out and say i understand you give hope this is it and if anybody you know me I mean if any actress that could have pulled that off it would have been been the old um <clears throat> uh sally field because she, fantastic actress yeah <laughs> she is fantastic astros yeah yeah i did i like to um i'm i'm one for these aren't made to be your proper aunt you know what i mean not your <laughs> aunts, but an aunt <laughs> if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah
0: yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. I know because I remember. You know, um th- folks. If you want to check out what uh, Jamie's thoughts on Marissa Tomei, definitely check out our previous episodes because he has quite opinions on that for sure. um I mean, I love yeah. all the. I love <laughs> I love all the art mays equally for different reasons. Now, this is probably my second favorite art may behind Rosemary Harris. You know, granted we don't get tons of her in this movie, but the moments we do get between her and Peter are absolute gold. And I completely feel, just like I did with Rosemary Harris, the struggle of that middle-aged woman trying to make ends meet between balancing the two jobs and helping to raise Peter and put bread on the table. So you really felt that. And also she's weighed down by what she knows or apparently knows about Peter's father, Richard. And I do understand that she wants to shield him, but I did feel she could have unburdened to him a little bit sooner, just as Peter could have about his double identity, but I love the, the, the chemistry between the two for sure. And we love you, Sally Field. We really love you. That said, <laughs> <laughs> let's get to the dark side of the table here, guys. Starting with a villain who is kind of in and out of this film. but We can't help but talk about him as he opens and closes this movie. The amazing Paul Jamati as Alexei Sitsievich, <laughs> Rhino. So, Jamie, starting with you. What did you make of of you know granted I said not much of him. What do you make of Rhino with this first on-screen <laughs> version of Rhino? Um god
1: uh, you know if you does uh, does he actually say that he's Rhino at the beginning of the film because I believe um, so yeah does he because <laughs> How would you guess that? How would you guess that was Rhino when he was just driving a truck? You know what I mean? And yes. then, they, of course, they put him in the, the suit. looked excellent when he put it in it. I loved that version of the suit. Um, and he's such a comedic actor, anyway. Um, you just got to laugh at him. If he come over to you, once, you, you just point and laugh, wouldn't you? What? <laughs> Your Rhino? Get away! <laughs> yeah, and what's with that stupid tattoo on his head? <laughs> you know what I mean. I could, well, he, he reminded me of um of, uh, of a film called shocker mm-hmm. many many moons ago with the, uh, with um the with uh skin off on the x-files he played this mass murderer that was in right. electric chair, and i'm sure he had like a scar across his forehead that looked just like that tattoo so either <laughs> rhino was a fan of that movie or there's a weird coincidence Mm. Or, or paul giamatti was channeling that character could you yeah get a birth probably life, yeah. yeah weird <laughs> though it was weird. i did i must admit i did like you know when he's in the cab and he's driving along and uh spider-man comes in, and even spider-man goes hello puts his hand through to shake hands with him and he's like and he's trying to get his yeah it was great I- I <laughs> understand why they got a comedic actor to play those that part uh because it totally it i was sold i was i was sold in that
0: It it was definitely great fun. And Phil, you know, you are familiar, of course, with uh, the Rhino character from the comics. What do you make of of what Paul Giamatti did with this character? I mean, it was kind of different than in the comics, but yeah, I mean,
2: I, I, yeah, he was really good. And um, yeah, a lot of times if you get a comedic actor in there, you know, they can go a little too goofy or too silly. But I thought Paul Giamatti did a really good job. And I don't know, in the beginning, like with that truck heist and stuff, like, you know, you guys were. You know, I think Jamie was like, "Oh, like, you know, it's just this little guy. You know, who who's gonna be afraid of this guy? He reminds me of like um, Joe Pesci and like any of those movies, like Goodfellas mm. or Casino. It's like, you know, the little guy who thinks he's got to prove himself by <laughs> beating up the tough, the biggest guy in the room and stuff. Yeah." <laughs>
1: You can just imagine Joe Pesci, hey, 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 Spider-Man.
0: I would love that. Now I want Joe Pesci in a Spider-Man movie. Um <laughs> But I wanna of course start off saying that I love Paul Giamatti in pretty much yes. everything I've seen him in. And in this you can tell he's having the time of his life. And he's purposefully, I think, playing it over the top. Which is obviously a very, I think it's an interesting contrast to the very dark and more almost horrific other villains like Electro and Goblin that we get in this. And though this version of Rhino is almost as a, like a parody, I guess, mm. I ate it up like yeah. I did the popcorn yeah. while I was watching this film. Yeah. Cause it was just like, it's fun. You know, had he been the main villain, it could have been very problematic. But I do feel this kind of flamboyant and very kind of cheesy version was just so fun because it, because it was so cheesy and also because it was so in stark contrast to our other two villains. And it did keep in tone, I think, with the more lighthearted moments of the Spider-Man lore. So, hey, I, any time Paul Giamatti's on screen, I'm a happy camper. So and, that's it's,
1: like. uh, and it bookended the movie, really, didn't it? It started and sort of finished with it.
0: Yeah, well.
1: yeah that's that yeah. I
0: that's why I think it was kind of a fun thing as well they did with him so speaking of contrasts guys let's get to our second Harry Osborne on this podcast who we had of course talked about James Franco I believe with with both of you two and here we actually get Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborne, Green Goblin who my listeners might know for Chronicle A Cure for Wellness Valerian and The City of a Thousand Planets so starting with you here Phil you know once again I guess it would make for an interesting contrast compared to say James Franco. What did you think of this version? did you like it better or did you like it less?
2: Don't ask me why I couldn't, I, couldn't, I can never pinpoint why, but I just never buy Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborn for some reason. I mean, technically he seems like a he seems like a good actor and he does his lines he emotes well and I, but for some reason I just don't buy him I mean and even Franco was over the top in his portrayal
0: and I still like Franco a lot a lot better and i I just couldn't tell you why and and uh, and uh, as, as goblin and stuff did you buy the whole thing of the transformation and the illness and stuff or Or weren't you happy with that? That was kind
2: of weird. Uh, I mean, it's like we—I mean, Norman Osborn's the Green Goblin, and like they kill him off right away. I'm just like, what is up with this? Unless maybe—I mean, if there had been a third movie, maybe they would reveal that maybe Norman like faked his death or the Goblin formula brought him back or something. But I'm just like, you're gonna kill like Norman Osborn in the first five minutes
0: we see him. Mm. I don't know. That just—that just seemed very odd to me. It, it was it was quite surprising, yeah, because we get introduced to both these characters in this film. It's like, boom. OK. Um, and, and Jamie, when it comes to you, uh, you know, what, what were your thoughts on, on this version of uh, Harry Osborne the, the Green Goblin?
1: Um, I'm in the same camp as Phil with this one. Um, he was not particularly good as Harry Osborne. You know, if he was my mate at school, I would go, hi. <laughs> I said, see this guy here? He's going to be a mass murderer. Just look at him. He's <laughs> got that face of someone with a little knifey in the back, innit? it? You wouldn't want to like walk in front of him in a queue. Cause you'll always be like, looking South. won't you? What are you doing there? Back there. Oh, nothing. I was just, uh, just, what are you? what? you know what I mean? He's so, <laughs> he's one of those actors. I think, Oh God, you know, when he was in Chronicles and he was, that he was sort of the bad guy in that. And I, thought, yeah. and I totally bought that. Cause I thought creepy little dude. <laughs> right. And in this one, I thought, God, creepy little dude. You know, um and with James Franco, yeah, he he's over the top. He's not particularly my favourite uh, character, but when he played evil, you no know that's you no know that switcheroo he did. Mm. God damn. That was good. You know what I mean? Because he was like <laughs> sly. This guy, nah. I didn't even I didn't even buy it when he turned into the Green Goblin. And and I was like, what illness can you get that you're perfectly fine until somebody goes, oh, by the way, you've got this disease, and you go, ah! <laughs> next thing you know, two days later, you're dying of it. You know what I mean?
0: True. Yeah,
2: I mean, just the visuals, but I mean, I know even in the, even when he went to see his father at the beginning there, his dad's like, oh, your hand's starting to shake already. He's like, I know it's you know it's happening to you. I mean, the most unbelievable thing I thought with Harry Osborn is when he breaks into Ravencroft. This, this pampered rich kid who's probably had never had done a day of manual labor in his life takes down two security guards
1: yeah, to get yeah, into the yeah. Pro- I'm like, okay, uh huh. Yeah, <laughs> I. I, I, I- totally didn't buy and what was all that what was what was wrong with uh, with norman osborn osborn why was his fingers all like that i i I, I, did i miss something was there an amazing spider-man (laughs) 1.5 i don't know what what happened Uh, apparently it's this illness
0: that they're suffering from which is obviously it's kind of degenerative disease that turns you into kind of a monster if you will i guess that's what i'm (laughs)
1: So it's like, uh, oh, by the way, son, you're going to tell you you, I've got gobblinitis. You know what I mean? Well, they
2: had they had that formula down in the basement of Oscorp unless he was experimenting on himself, trying to cure himself or something. I don't, mm. That's yeah.
0: Yeah. That yeah. that could be it. And also, I mean, I, I, you know, I don't want to shame anybody who, who is psychosomatic, but this could almost be psycho being psychosomatic to the nth degree to where they tell you you have an illness and they're like, Oh my God. And your body starts responding to it and you start going kind of sick. It's weird, but yeah, You know, if we do make an an initial comparison between this version of Harry and the James Frankel version, the contrast is incredibly different. I mean, I do enjoy what James did with this character, but on my end, I do feel that Dane may be the superior version, as granted, some may say, you know, he might be a little too emo for the character, not that I'm emo-shaming, but, you know, the haircut, maybe. But what I love here is very much that he's the coin opposite of Peter, and, you know, as I mentioned before, to me, it's almost like while Peter ascends, ha- Harry descends. And unlike the Franco version, here we do have a fiercely intelligent character, you know, can run rings apparently around the biggest lawyers in Oscorp in New York City. But who's dealing with the sins of his father literally being revisited on him. And I do feel he's kind of used to the fact that money can make things go away, you know, your problems. But here he's faced with something which cannot be bought off as we see with the apparent total lack of interest of peter when it comes to money also the parallels i think between him and electro who we'll get to shortly are astounding as like electro you know who has nobody you know max wants to be recognized and has no friends it's kind of the same deal with uh, with harry the, and also the, the progress, I, I enjoyed, because you know what this, I, know, I don't know what this says about me, but I enjoy watching movies where you get the, a character that slowly but surely descends into madness. I don't know what that says about my own psyche, like enjoying that, but, <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. but it's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. I a,
2: sorry, I was going to say I think that might be the problem with this version of the character. It's uh like at least with Franco, we got him over like three movies. You know, he was kind of Peter's friend in the first movie, mm-hmm. and then by the end of the first movie, he thought Spider-Man killed his father. The second movie, you know, he hates Spider-Man and he pays Doctor Octopus to you know bring him to him and stuff. But then by the third movie, he becomes the Goblin. This movie, it's like okay, boom, we got Harry Osborn. boom, he, boom, he becomes the Goblin. Probably because you know. Yeah, the, a, a green goblin killed gwen stacy in the comics so you know we've got to have a green goblin mm. it was I, might, think, I think okay. it, was just, it was just much too quick i think that might be the big problem we have with the character
1: yeah uh and also it was like um him and peter parker were best of friends yet peter hadn't seen him in 10 years it's like <laughs> hi i've just heard your dad's died <laughs> do you want to hang out no yeah go on then <laughs> yeah <laughs> that might have really, been a problem yeah. yeah it's really really quick um and 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 it was like um when he put when he puts on that suit, the Greek goblin suit, and with the with the hoverboard thing, and I was thinking, how can he fly that? Have you ever tried have you ever had a go on a h- one of those little <laughs> hoverboards? You fall on your face half a dozen times for the first couple of hours. Yeah, he's like, we check me <laughs> out. Yeah, what? But you're dead right, Phil. On the first one, we had we've had that harry osborne grow with us if you know what i mean well this one it's like oh here he is oh he's dad's died oh he's got an incurable disease and hey he's going to start killing everyone so like, what i mean we'll I, get to, I, I mean we'll yeah. get to with, with electro
2: too but i just think it's with harry and electro i th- i just think this the big the big weakness of this movie is they tried to do too much uh, mm. in one movie
0: mm. I think so too. And, you know, uh, Jamie, I love that point about their best friends, but they haven't seen each other in ages. It's like, hello, best friend, I haven't seen in like 20 years.
1: <laughs> yeah. Plus, if they're at college and he says it's like been 10 years, that means they were like, what, five or six? You know yeah. I mean, yeah,
0: because apparently there is a deleted scene. And and obviously now they tell us, and it's like, why didn't you put it in the film? But I was actually watching this and listening to the director's commentary. They had a scene where you actually had a flashback of Peter and Harry as kids and um, and apparently you had kind of Norman Osborne in the background, like a shadow watching them and stuff. So they didn't uh, yeah. want to put that in because like it wouldn't have worked. But I think it might have. I mean, given a little bit more context of, uh, you know, the, the fact that these two are such best friends. But yeah. bring out bring out the uh, web. Eh? It's just, just the other side of the equation, too. Oh,
2: hey, buddy, I haven't seen you in 10 years. Hey, can you bring me this guy's blood? <laughs> yes. No problem,
0: (laughs) of course, you know, and I, 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 I like that's very true. I mean, I guess I didn't kind of think about that, but it's for sure.
1: So let's get photos of him, haven't you? You took some (laughs) photos. Can you bring me his blood? Yeah, I take photos of the next door neighbor when she's undressing, but you don't (laughs) see me taking her. But but yeah, but yeah, like all these paparazzi take pictures of celebrities. You
2: think they're hanging out with the celebrities they take pictures of? (laughs) No, (laughs) yes. Could you
1: get Uh, me
0: there, bud? Well, maybe. Great point there, for sure. (laughs) So so let's get to our main villain, apparently, if you want, who is scheduled, like we were saying, to return in the upcoming third MCU Spider-Man film, as he is apparently in the international title, Mr. Jamie Foxx as Max Dillon Electro. So, Jamie, starting here with you, what did you think of our, shall we say, main villain?
1: hmm a nerdy nerd that uh, gathers gets superpowers and becomes like a god oh where have we seen this kind of <laughs> form never, never before <laughs> yeah um jamie fox is as is electric uh, well when he's when he's max the look of him i was thinking do you know what <laughs> who, who in earth comes up with nerd yeah i mean hey i'm looking for a guy who'll you know, can, can you do makeup to look like nerd absolutely you know what i mean and that's what we get now nah. and it's like um he's got is he got a bit like a, um like uh a, asperges or something as well you know so he's you know but he's a genius as well as well and um i did like jamie fox you know when he goes into the um persona of Ele- of electro mm. it's great i absolutely loved him and and re-watching it um what i thought you know he is i can understand now why they're they're thinking about bringing him into the mcu because jamie fox is a really good actor and i think what he could do with electro would be great for that character and you know he was fantastic in this film um especially how he managed to because i totally forgot this power that he had um i the last time i seen it was in gremlins 2 where he could just point at a at a, a socket and zoom into it you know what i mean <laughs> and if you did notice when he zoomed into this plug socket in the floor he actually closed the little flap so no one could see it unplugged <laughs> <But> <laughs> he plugged himself in i liked him i really did like him as a character yeah the nerdy bit was a bit over the top and um but once he got into his main character he was great i thought he was a really good villain um i think this film could have just done with him as a villain you know when you start sticking too many in i think it starts getting a bit complicated if they kept just as electro then fair enough and then maybe for a third film bring in the green because then they could have introduced harry osborne into this film and then in the next film yeah let's have the green goblin or the hobbit let's Let's treat it. Let's have the hobgoblin. Yeah, you know I mean, they don't have to really go. Oh, it was the green goblin that killed Stacy. They could have just you know, changed it, really, can't they? Um, and so, yeah, I, I liked him. I thought he was great as uh, Electro, and I'll be looking forward to see what he can do in, in the MCU. I'm very much looking
0: forward to it too, and mm-hmm. and and Phil, when it comes to you, you know, were
1: you first of you know, you obviously
0: are once again being more familiar with the comics in this case, were you happy that we got, should we say, the ultimate version of Electro compared to say the classic one in the green and yellow costume?
2: Oh no, I'll always love that green and yellow costume with the lightning <laughs> bolt ma- like mask. But uh, no, I mean. I- I remember thinking, oh, did we really need Jamie Foxx's Electro in this movie? But on the rewatch, again, like, Jamie, I liked what he did. But I think, again, his character would have been better. The Goblin's character would have been better if either one of them had had this movie to themselves. You know, like, if we wanted to build up a uh, Harry Osborne history with Peter, he should have been the only villain. I mean, I think Jamie Foxx's Electro could have been the only villain. Again, it's just the, uh, it, the thing of them wanting to do... 20 things in a movie and it i just think it hurt both characters and can i just say just uh, sure. i mean that what the origin of how he gets his powers he he's holding on to a live wire and falls into a tank of what electric eel <laughs> mm. <laughs> apparently yes yeah <laughs> i mean i mean it's no it's no goofier than his origin from the comics i don't know if jamie's familiar but yeah it was in the 60s he he was working on power lines you know he was like a lineman he's working on power lines to gets struck by lightning while he's working on electrical lines and that's how he gets his powers in the comics
1: ah i've seen a couple of youtube videos of that actually happening and none of them turned into something.
2: <laughs> no, I mean it's no do for that, but I I don't know my my head cannon with this movie is like oh there was something some chemical in that water that you know made it possible for him to get powers because all I mean all it was was basically water electricity and a couple of electric eels biting his legs or
1: whatever to yeah did. I, I, but I did like that reveal of him do you know how he was all burnt and like yeah. In and the ash just fell off him, and he got up. I really did like that. I thought it was really, co- really creepy, very horrorish. If you know what I mean. Yeah.
0: Apparently, director Mark Webb wanted to go even darker with this, but they kind of said, "No, you have to dial it back because, like, mm. we want kids to go to the cinema to to, to watch this film as well." <laughs> so, because yeah. he wanted not... to, re- yeah. I'll go go ahead. No, no, carry on. Carry on. No, no, because I mean, that's that's the only thing is just i wish they were somebody would be brave enough to go even darker but like i said i guess the major studios were like no nope, we need kiddies here so you can't yeah. do it so i was kind yeah. of sure. but yeah what were you going to add to that jamie i was going to
1: say he's got um they they when he you know when he got his suit his os his uh his uh his electro suit probably <laughs> yeah. they stick that thing on his head didn't it with his battery level mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> hey look that guy's pretty low plug him in <laughs> <laughs> has anyone got an extension card
0: yeah, that, that was, that was kind of odd. And funny <laughs> enough, once again, they didn't have him walking around naked for, because of the fact of one, kiddies, and two, because people would be like, that's Dr. Manhattan from the the, the Watchmen. Yes. So that's, that's the other reason why they yeah. didn't want people to confuse him with Dr. Manhattan, you know, who, uh, and that's why apparently they got, to, cause Jamie Foxx, when he transforms, showed up in um bicycle gear so he had basically had these bicycle these cyclist shorts on so okay let's keep him in those and so they basically had him in that so you know obviously all was not revealed if you will so it was like he was completely naked and so he didn't have (laughs) so um but that was that was that was the reason why he suddenly appears with these cyclist
1: shorts Uh, if anybody was wondering uh, Um, what was the thing with him uh, with the electric shutting the gap on his teeth as well (laughs) It's like it's it's that. I thought that was simple for the factors. Know when they had him with his gap in between Mm -hmm. when he was when he was nerd when he was the nerd Max. It's like uh, you know, mark Wed went. Do you know I don't like that look. Let's close it, and they were like, "How can we do that with electricity?" I mean I could I, I just took it as like, you know, after the
2: accident he became pure electricity so he just like rebuilt his body from yeah. scratch every time. So it's
1: like, Hey, wouldn't you get rid of the gap in your teeth if you could yeah, just like, you know? Yeah. Build your own body. I have to say the effects on him, do you know, with like the currents underneath his skin, uh-huh. it was great, absolutely fantastic. For uh, back in the day, do you know? Well, back in the day, what we're talking about, <laughs> <I> mean, but <laughs> well, yes, was, seven really
0: seven good. years ago. So it's, yeah. a bit of time has passed, though. So, yeah. but it still holds up. I agree with you, Jamie. And sorry. I mean, I know we did not get the classic yellow and green suit in this, and but I did like the homage that they did do to that during the first scenes because we do see Max Dylan as he takes his birthday cake out it has that yellow and green decorations and oh. apparently that's supposed to be a nod to the um, original electro comic to the electro uh, cost, uh, costume because here they go with the ultimate universe version of electro and when it came to the look it was absolutely fine with me but and you cannot but feel incredibly sorry for max dylan in this at first and how downtrodden lonely and just friendless he is and to him, it is, as I said, it's all about being recognized and being noticed by people. And I suppose, once, as they say, be careful what you wish for, as by movie's end, <laughs> everybody knows his name. And it's no surprise that Max and Harry, as I said, find a lot of common ground, as they're both alone, they've both let, been let down by humanity and people, and and really have nobody but each other, which certainly, I guess, justifies their alliance. And... I'm glad this character was not killed off completely. And, you know, as we mentioned before, I'm so curious to see what we, he will get up to in the next Spider-Man film. Also, as I'd mentioned, the electro theme by Hans Zimmer is just amazing. I mean, I love how much it plays throughout the whole film. Cause at first you have that kind of very sort of subdued clarinet and then it gets, it goes into the whole big theme when he becomes electro. And I, Absolutely love this film. I'm a big fan, like I said, of Hans Zimmer. So I should
1: sh- say that. Go ahead, uh, Jenny. I, I would have to disagree with you on the Hans Zimmer score for this film. Oh,
0: really? Go ahead. Yeah.
1: I did. I love Hans Zimmer. For this film, it's like somebody said to him, can you uh, do the score to uh, the Olympic Games? And he went, yes. And then they took that score and used it in this film because the music did not work at all for me. Oh. It was like, that was that. Oh. Duh, 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 duh. It, was, it was like, it was like um that famous tune that uh is it the dawning of man or something i can't think what it's mm-hmm. called uh for the olympic games that was done it it sounded like it was not a, a not a spider-man tune oh. absolute nah didn't like it didn't li- not like this score in fact because once i watched the film i thought D- really so i came upstairs and i went on the pc because i've got the score and i listened to it and i was thinking yeah it was me Nah, it's not particularly his best nah Ooh.
0: So you weren't even a fan of the electro theme either.
1: No. <laughs> oh, okay. No. No. Well,
0: I mean, I, you know, I guess uh, every, you know, different folks, different strokes, as they say. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and Phil, what about you? I mean, are you a fan of Hans Zimmer's? And what did you make of the score?
2: Oh yeah, I'm a fan of uh, Hans Zimmer's, and I like the score. I mean, I don't know, Jamie's the one you didn't like, the one like where they're fighting. What is that Times Square? When they're fighting, and it's like. Oh, duh, duh, duh. I mean, I kind of took that as like you know he's. I don't know, like, he's hearing voices in his head or something, which, again, it's kind of weird. Like he, like we said, he was kind of the nerdy character. He almost seemed like he had mental issues. But then by, like, the end of the movie, he's just, he's just like, a villain, you know? And, again, with Harry Osborns, they could have fleshed out Harry Osborns' character so much. But, again, by the end of the movie, they're both just, like, the bad villains, you know? And, really, we lost any, like, fleshing out of the characters we got. But, yeah, I mean, I liked, I,
1: I did like the music it's Mom, more of talk. um I, I, it's more of the do you know the main theme for spider-man 2 mm. okay that's that's one really i, oh, I, I like did like you know they they, they it just nah, dun, 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 didn't, didn't nah. work yeah it just didn't work uh, well, uh, compared to what you've had before the only good bit of it is when when he's uh being chased at the beginning of the year i was like <laughs> yes yeah it's gotta play Stick it yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean,
0: I I I agree when it comes to the the main, the, should I say our hero theme because when granted you there you had Danny Elfman doing it at the time and that was an amazing amazing thing that Danny Elfman did at the time for the Maguire movies those were really really good but yeah I suppose obviously when the MCU came around then you obviously they reintegrated the classic Spider Man theme into almost an orchestral version mm. which is beautiful that's absolutely beautiful.
1: Um, but, uh, I was also because you know because I like I do like my different film Spider Man themes yeah and out of them even the the Spider Man uh the 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 theme the soundtrack to the Spider Man game that's just recently been out is yeah. really good know what I mean it was just this one film and um, did did uh, Hans Zimmer do the the last film no I it
0: wasn't him in that case the name at the moment escapes me. But I know that Danny Elfman did the, the, the original trilogy with, with with Maguire. Hans Zimmer did these ones and then we got and there there uh, some another chap who was on who did the MCU ones, who he, then he integrated the the classic spider-man theme when it came to that but i i mean as i said i i maybe i'm too biased when it comes to my love for undying love for hans james Zima, horner it's james, james horner. horner there you go yeah and james horner for the mcu and james horner did a fantastic job on that yeah, one course, yeah. so yeah. so yes yeah, so three great comp- really great composers in their own yeah. right so let's get into ratings then guys where does this movie rate for you on a scale of one to ten let's start with you phil what do you give the amazing spider-man two out of ten
2: Um, on the rewatch, I probably give this, uh, probably give this an eight out of 10. Like I like the action, especially like the web swinging and, uh, I, I like so much about this movie, but again, like my big weakness with this movie is I think they tried to do too much, too many villains, you know, they, I'm sure they wanted to do that classic death of Gwen Stacy. Uh, yeah, just too much. I mean, if they had focused on just a few little segments of this movie, I, it, it, probably be close, you know like a nine or a nine and a half for me
0: wow and uh, and Jamie what about you what do you give this film
1: um before I did the Wii Roch I would have given it a good six but mm. um after watching it today I would go with Phil and give it an eight um I totally totally enjoyed it I did I really really <laughs> did enjoy it um and the ending of course was you know what I mean <laughs> um true, yeah. Especially, you know, with his scenes where, um, where he's, where Andrew garfield well, Peter Parker is standing at the grave and you mm-hmm, see yeah. it go through month after month after month after oh, month. Oh yeah, I like that. Yeah. I did. I thought that was really powerful. Yeah. I, I I loved how it was shot. Very, very powerful. It, do you know, if I was a studio executive, I would have probably gone, do you know what? That's just him standing around. You can cut that. But I'm glad they didn't, because it's very, very, very powerful. And also, that uh, after watching the film, of course, and after playing the game, like I mentioned, the recent one that came out on the PS5, uh, sorry, on the PS4, th- this film is so close. Well, the game is so close to this film, you could have said that that game was a the video game version of 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 the amazing Spider-Man two, even though they did bring out an amazing Spider-Man two game. The, Ooh. the recent Spider-Man, uh, even had all the set pieces from this film. It was so close to it. And even my son, he was going, Hey, isn't that in the game? Dad. And I was like, yeah. And do you know, with the, with the swinging actions going through the streets, mm-hmm. believable because you even had like, uh, the wind, uh, going through his, the cloth on him, if you know what I mean, Yeah, on his, on his suit was slightly, you know, with the, with the wind, Loved it. I, re- I thought the effects in this film were really, really good. They'd gone out, and of course, you had your uh, Stan Lee get hey. I think I know that guy. You know what I mean? I'd like to. I'd like to all of it.
0: Yeah. And you know what? Even though we did get um J. Jonah Jameson, except as an, a cameo in an email, that was kind of cool, I guess. But it's like, yeah. no. And that was I was like, okay, that's J. Jonah Jameson. We had our moment of J. Jonah Jameson. I mean, I enjoyed this too. I'm gonna give this a seven out of ten. It's it's a good movie. Mark Webb did a did a great job, you know, as a, from a director's standpoint. It's a shame we didn't get the third one, uh, you know, but hopefully, you you know, we'll get some of the characters from this in the upcoming third um, Tom Holland film. So I'm looking forward to that. So, yeah, it's a seven out of 10 for me. So let's get to reading recommendations here, guys. Do either of you have any Spider-Man stories uh, that you'd like to recommend to our listeners, you know, coming off of this film?
1: um phil is your guy for this one because he he's uh, an amazing podcast about uh spider-man oh i can all like you know i can only say that um uh, on netflix at the moment uh, you've got uh the spider-verse so watch that play the marvel game and they've just re- they've just released the uh miles morales game for the ps5 if you've got a ps5 you get that um they you know the, the marvel spider-man game is absolutely fantastic. Into the Spider Verse, my favorite. Even though I wasn't really keen on Miles Morales, I do now. Um, <laughs> um, that's his, you know, and of course the new uh, MCU version of Spider Man. Watch them, um, Phil. You're you're the you're the comics guy. <laughs>
0: exactly. Go ahead, Phil. So what what's what's the comic book stories you recommend our listeners check out?
1: Uh,
2: I mean, if you're interested in like uh, the characters from this movie, I mean. Uh... Of course, on what is it? Amazing Spider-Man 122, the night Gwen Stacy died, you know? Uh, if you want to see the death of Gwen Stacy. Uh, I think the, one of the most classic Peter-Harry battles was uh, Spectacular Spider-Man 200 mm-hmm. from, like, the 90s. That was pretty good. Um, of course, Amazing Spider-Man number
1: nine was uh, Electro's first appearance. Uh, yeah, what's that, a lot of- uh, Phil, what's that comic where Spider-Man turns into an actual big spider?
2: Um, you mean to worry? Gra- where he grows like extra arms? Yeah. Uh, amazing Spider-Man 100. Yeah. Creepy. Yeah, he takes a, like a formula to try to get rid of his
1: powers and he grows like, <laughs> four, like four extra arms. Can you just <laughs> imagine Spider-Man and he's actually afraid of spiders? <laughs> ah, <hey. laughs> oh, can I also just say uh, sorry, yeah, no, can I just say his dad is a is a bioengineer. I did not know he was an engineer. How many, how many genetics people do you know actually build secret lairs? Eh? Huh? What? <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. that, well, that, and Aunt May said, you know, he you know, he never had that much money. I'm like, where did he get the money to build that thing? Yeah! <laughs> I was thinking, you know, whenever they do things like this, I always think, he did do that on his own. It's like Batman didn't actually build all that on his Todd, surely. You know what I mean? He got people in, the, you know, can you build me this? Well, where do you want to build it? In a secret place? Ooh! <laughs> okay! You're <laughs> sold. You know what I mean? What? I did not, I, um, I don't know, Phil, with, with the comic books, if that is canon with uh with peter parker's dad i did i did not get that whole if uh, they could have cut that bit out actually you know with his dad yeah. with the, and the film was still would have gone the way it was you know what i mean i didn't get it i just didn't get that whole connection i know it's something to do with his blood of course mm-hmm. but um if that was the case this is my own fault with it he says oh you know they need my blood and if i'm gone then that's it well no we could just go around your house and get your son I mean, yeah, I mean, for them, escaping, leaving his son made no sense. If it was all down to blood, know what I mean? Mm. I don't know, Phil. Can you? Is is that how his dad is?
2: I mean, in the Ultimate Comics, I think his father was a scientist, but no, like in the regular Spider-Man comics, his parents were like spies. That you know, they were wherever, and they got and they got killed. But yeah, I found that weird too. If it all came down to blood, why would they leave Peter like unprotected? I, I guess unless maybe they thought they would overlook Peter, but I'm like. Don't the Osbournes know about Peter? They could come rake the Aunt May and Uncle Ben's house.
0: Exactly. No, very, very true. Uh, you know, comic book-wise, I I did have a couple myself. I mean, I, for folks of, who are fans of Electro or want to find out more about him, I would suggest Rebirth of Electro. That's Amazing Spider-Man 422 to 425. Oh, yeah yeah you know because there you get you know as, as even phil was hinting after you know for many years this character is portrayed as a bit of a loser that has only been able to get the better of spider-man under extraordinary circumstances here electro actually gets a new lease on life when the rose which is a character i would love to see on screen someday supercharges him and unleashes the the villain on the world so this is, it's actually great and i really hope that someday we will get the rose as a uh, as a character on screen also Hopefully, the next film, we would be, will be getting these guys. I would also suggest you guys check out Ultimate Six, we, from issues mm-hmm. one through seven, by the amazing Brian Michael Bendis and Trevor Hairstein. This series offers a movie-centric lineup of characters that... Includes, of course, uh, the Green Goblin, Electro, with Harry Osborn playing an important role as well. And as an added bonus, the Avengers show up. What are the odds (laughs) that the Avengers would show up? But uh, this is a great... This takes place in the Marvel's Ultimate Universe, where the Avengers are not the Avengers, but they're known as the Ultimates. But here you get the Sinister Six in their ultimate version so you get blue electro and you don't hit, get them in the green and yellow and i'm definitely hoping we will get the the sinister six in this third film and speaking of which guys do you either of you have any predictions or what you would like to see in the next spider-man film
1: phil you go
2: first uh, i think you took my answer nick I, I i you know they hinted around at this movie and i think they were working
0: towards that i want to see a sinister six Mm. And what about you, Jamie? Are there any particular villains or things that you'd like to see happen in the in the next uh, MCU, or should we
1: say, Sony MCU uh, Spider Man film? Well, um, considering back then, um, they actually had that uh, sort of, well, it wasn't an after credits uh, scene, wasn't it? Because it was actually just before the credits where you sort of introduce the Sinister Six, you know, where you see their gadgets, don't you, with that guy mm-hmm. who's walking around mm-hmm. in the uh, fedora hat. Now, um, and if I remember right, it, weren't they going to go down the route of actually having a Sinister Six movie? Mm. Um but talking about it, yeah. Yeah, but now it seems Venom was quite good. And, um, well, and Venom 2 was, was supposed to come out last year, but I think it's this year now. Um, I'm quite on board to see a Sinister Six, but I don't want them to make it so... Because uh, with Venom, he's a bad guy, but you kind of root for that bad guy now. You know what I mean? they made him kind of a bad guy. That's now a good guy. You know what I mean? It's strange, but for the for their introduction into the MCU, I'm really, really excited about it. If there's one place for them to really shine, and that's with with the MCU, easy, yeah. And also seeing all these characters that will be
0: returning, you know, of course we know Jamie Foxx will return. Uh, Mr. Molina will be returning as Doctor Octopus, apparently. So it's going to be quite a thing. I know I'm going to geek out as uh, like no tomorrow when I see uh, Alfred Molina again as as Doctor Octopus. Yeah, that's going to be really yeah. really cool. I like this all coming together, and hopefully Venom will be introduced. I mean, I'm a huge fan of Venom. Funny story. I used to hate Spider-Man with a vengeance, and that's why I loved Venom so much, because like, you and me, buddy, we have the same, same love. You know, we both hate the spider and I'm with you. And I would actually read Venom comics instead of Spider-Man once I just loved Venom and his vengeance and, and, you know, sort of hatred towards Spider-Man, so. Definitely looking forward to the new Venom film indeed. And dear listeners, if you want to be like Jamie and Phil and join us here on the show to discuss a movie of your choice, feel free to shoot us an email at happinessanddarknesshow at gmo.com. We also really appreciate your thoughts and feedback about the show. You can reach out to those also at happinessanddarknesshow at gmo.com. Feel free to show your support by giving us a like on Facebook, where you'll find us as Happiness and Darkness. You can follow us on Twitter, where we're at High Darkness Pod, or on Instagram under HIN Darkness. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast of Feeling Generous, you can check out the great. Tears we have going on on patreon that's patreon.com slash happiness darkness a big thank you to all our wonderful wonderful patrons out there we really really appreciate you and finally as we always want to, we also want to thank our video maker, David Moreno, the mad scientist behind all the great episode trailers you can find on our Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to his Nostalgia channel on YouTube. The man does great work. And when it comes to you too, fine gentlemen, where can our listeners
1: find you on the interwebs? Let's start with you, Jamie. Where can folks find you? Well, you can get me on Twitter at Jamie underscore R underscore Burns. A podcast, podcast wise, I run two. One is a Ghostbusters one and one is a Star Wars one. Uh, the Ghostbusters uh, is Ghostheads UK, and our email is ghostheadsuk at gmail.com. Uh, Twitter is at ghostheadsuk on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, the Star Wars one is at, um, at Radio Free Endor, and our email is radiofreeendor at gmail.com. And of course, we're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram on that. And we've just recently covered all the episodes of The Mandalorian and um we're looking to do a review a season review next so we're yeah it's all looking good so the yeah, star wars and ghostbusters if they're your two main go-tos i've got the podcast for you <laughs> fantastic and folks definitely check out these wonderful podcasts that are
0: hosted by our wonderful man jamie and and phil when it comes to you where can folks find you Ah,
2: uh, you can find me all over the capes and lunatics and capes and lunatics sidekicks podcast uh Capes and Lunatics. Most of that we talk about new current things like the new comics, movies, television. Uh, we do. I do a Nightwing show over there, and then on the Capes and Lunatics sidekicks, we cover more of the classic stuff. Uh, we talk Spider Man, of course, uh, Batman. Uh, we started a new Daredevil show, and Nick, I will give you the exclusive. In about two weeks, we're going to be starting a, a new Green Lantern show.
0: Oh wow! You heard it first on this podcast, folks. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Really? I, I, I was going to say Go the ahead. comic the comics not the movie oh okay so but i but hey that's still great nonetheless because i'm a huge <laughs> yes. huge fan of green lantern so i'll definitely be, be looking for that one of course where i get my podcasts indeed uh, phil so thanks for sharing that exclusive with us um, when it comes to me, for you country music lovers, I also host the radio show, Whiskey and Cigarettes, where we play traditional country, today's country, and everything else in between. For more about that and where to tune in, you can visit our website, that's whiskeyandcigarettesshow.com. Podcast-wise, feel free to check out our latest project, Gold Standard, the Oscars movie podcast, where with co-hosts Zan Sprouse and Rachel Friend, we're reviewing all the movies that won the Oscar for Best Picture from 1927's Wings to the Present Day. Should any of you listeners out there wish to join us, to discuss your favorite best picture winner you can hit us up at goldstandardoscars at gmail.com that's goldstandardoscars at gmail.com we're also on facebook and twitter also recently i did join the fine folks at titan talk the titans podcast charles skaggs and jesse jackson where we recently uh, Discussed, I discussed with Charles Skaggs of the second season of Doom Patrol. And on the Fandom Zone, we will start be starting our review of WandaVision. So definitely looking forward to discussing that with, with Charles and Jesse Jackson. That's the Fandom Zone podcast. And speaking of things to come on this show, next week we'll be joined by our patron, Holly McMiller, to discuss the 2013 Alan Taylor film, Thor the Dark World. That said, when it comes to you, Phil, and when it comes to you, Jamie, once again, I look forward to having you back here on Happiness and Darkness, and I certainly cannot
1: thank you enough for joining me today. Oh, thank
2: you! It was a great time. I always love coming on.
1: Absolutely, I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes. You
1: always give me a chance to review uh, films that I particularly thought were quite bad but turned out to be quite good yeah <laughs> <love it. laughs> well i always enjoyed talking to the both of you was great
0: great company and great to talk to for sure so folks thanks as always for listening to the show and supporting us we will see you next week with holly and thor the dark world until then stay super ciao my people will life leave you high and dry i'll be at your door tonight if you need help if you need help I'll shut down the city lights I'll lie, cheat, I'll beg and bribe To make you well, to make you well When enemies are at your door I'll carry you away from more If you need help, if you need help Your hope dangling by a string I'll share in your suffering To make you well, to make you well Give me reasons to believe for me and I will do it for you for you Baby. I'm not moving on. I love you long after you're gone. For you, for you You will never sleep alone. I love
1: you long after you go,
0: and long after you're gone, gone, gone.